This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Well, today's uh, text is a little ironic to me. I, um, I'll be preaching on a text that talks about praying for someone who is sick. And I've been pretty under the weather the last few days, and so, so I'm kind of keeping my distance. Uh, and, but we're con- concluding uh, our sermon series on James, and this is the last words of this letter from James, uh, James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the air of his ways will save the soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the blessing of hearing your word, for gathering as a family of believers. And so we pray that you would do your work in the word and in the sacrament to convince us once again that we are your children, that you love us, that you accept us, that you have eternal plans for us. Help us to leave here stronger Christians than the ones that came. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of your spirit. In your name we pray, amen. In 2001, the Mayo Clinic did a study of the effects of intercessory prayer on people with heart disease. And so there were 799 patients in this study, and they were split randomly into two different groups. And and in one group, they were prayed for by five different people once a week. And in the other group, they were not prayed for. And after being prayed for in this one group for 26 weeks, and they, they got all the data, and they looked at everything, here's what they found out. They said, as delivered in this study, intercessory prayer had no significant effect on medical outcomes after hospitalization in a coronary care unit. So according to this study, they didn't see any significant differences if you prayed for someone. Now, we might not be surprised by that because on one hand, how could you scientifically study the work of God? God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't know what God is up to, and so we're probably not surprised by those findings. And maybe we're also not surprised by those findings because that's been our experience. Maybe you or someone you loved is, was very sick, and you prayed earnestly that God would make them, well, I've been praying all week, and I'm still sick here, right? 
And so we're maybe not surprised by those findings. Sometimes it doesn't feel like prayer makes a difference. And as I've talked to people over the years, uh, you know, lifelong Christians, professional Christians, pastors, and Christian professors, you know, very often they'll admit that they don't pray as much as they would like to, or they wish they would. And I think one of the reasons why we don't often pray is because we can't always see its effects. It doesn't seem to make a difference. And we can see the changes immediately when, when somebody gets medical care. We can see a difference it makes, but we can't always see the difference it makes when we pray. Now we're concluding our sermon series through the letter of James called Faith Works. And in this letter, one of James' main themes is that faith without action is dead that our, our faith will lead to works. It will lead to a life of, of good works, that it's going to do something. And so in this letter, we've looked at how faith uh, leads us to persevere in times of trial, how faith um, leads us to not show favoritism, how faith uh, will lead us to, to hold our tongue and to speak with wisdom. And now, as we conclude this letter, uh, James says one of the ways that you can put your faith in action is prayer. And yet again, that's one of those challenges. It doesn't really seem like when we pray, it makes that big of a difference. And so here's the question I want to answer today. Why pray? Why pray? Um, is it going to make any difference? And to answer that question, we'll go back to our reading from James chapter 5. James says, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. It seems like as we read this letter, you can kind of read between the lines that the, the people that James was writing to were under some kind of persecution. We know that also from early Christian history, that some of the Jewish Christians were uh, being boycotted. They were being financially pressured. And so James says, if you're suffering, pray. And I think he would ask that we would do the same thing today. If we are suffering, we ought to pray. He goes on, he says, well, is anyone cheerful? Are things going your way? Well, then sing praises. And so if things are going your way, then you should also pray. Pray songs of praise. Thank God for the good times and the financial blessings, the physical blessings, the, the blessings of, of family and, and all these wonderful things, blessings of good weather and good food and, and good times. If you're going through a, a time of blessing, you should also pray. And then in verse 14, he says, is anyone among you sick? Yes, there are. <laughs> so what are we supposed to do? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so if anyone's sick, you gather the leaders of the church and go to their, go to their house. They're not able to come to worship, so you go to their place, um, lay hands on them, anoint them with oil. Now that goes back to an ancient Jewish practice. When you anoint someone with oil, uh, that means to set them apart. 
Jesus Christ means Jesus, the anointed one. That's what Christ means or Messiah means, the anointed one. You would anoint people with oil. If they'd be a prophet or a priest or a king, they'd be anointed, set apart. And in this situation, you're anointing this person with oil to set them apart as an object for, your, for conse- consecration, for, um, for prayer, that this person is receiving special prayer at this moment. And then he says what happens is, verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now at first glance, it seems like what James is promising here is if you follow all these steps, you gather the elders, you anoint with oil, you pray over the person, that this person will get well. And maybe you've had that experience. We, I could tell you a long list of people who experience miraculous healing. Uh, you probably have your stories, I have mine, where the doctors have no explanation. They have no explanation why this person got better. But then we also have our long list of, of people that we know didn't get better. In my first congregation, it was a much smaller congregation, uh, Uh, There was a woman there who was sick. She had a brain aneurysm, and she was about to go into surgery the next day. And so in that smaller, tight-knit congregation, uh, we went through all these practices. We laid hands on her. We all prayed over her. We even anointed her with oil. And it was an incredibly moving experience. And she had a successful surgery. She came out of surgery healthy, But then about a week later, she died. What happened there? Did we not follow James' protocol? Did we not pray hard enough? Did we not have enough faith? Uh, Did we not use enough oil? What happened there? Well, maybe we need to look again at what that verse actually says. Verse 15 says, The prayer of faith will literally save the sick person And the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. See, James doesn't say um, that he will necessarily always physically get better. But he says what he's most concerned about is praying over that person so that person is saved and raised up eternally. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. What James really is concerned about is not a partial healing, not not just a partial um, relief from an ailment. What James is concerned about is he is looking forward to the day of our resurrected bodies, our resurrected life. And here's what I found. When a person gets sick, when I get sick, whenever we get sick, when we get physically sick, it's an opportunity to be reminded of our mortality. To be reminded, not necessarily that this sickness we're going through, whatever it is, is because of a specific sin we committed, but because we live in a sinful world that's wearing out. And we're wearing out. And when a person gets sick, very often it reminds them that one day they're going to meet God. 
that they need to be saved and rescued and forgiven. Do you know uh, the actor Matthew Perry? He was in uh, the TV show Friends, that sitcom years ago. Uh, He recently wrote a memoir. I haven't read the whole memoir, but I've read excerpts of it. And um, the memoir is called uh, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. And in that memoir, he explains some of the things that he went through. He says that he had 14 trips to rehab, 60-some detoxes, and 15 stomach surgeries. That he was quite sick because of alcoholism and drug use. And there was one time where he hit rock bottom again, and he thought he was dying. And in his desperation, in that physical ailment, when he was feeling that physical pain of sickness, he called out to God for spiritual healing. He said, God, please help me. Show me that you are here. God, please help me. And in that moment, he saw something like a light, a light that he, he said seemed to fill the whole room. And he had this feeling that God was with him and that God loved him and God accepted him. This is what he writes. Decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and sadness, all was being washed away. Like a river of pain gone into oblivion. I had been in the presence of God. I was certain of it. And this time I had prayed for the right thing, help. I stayed sober for two years based on that moment. God had shown me a sliver of what life could be. He had saved me that day and for all days, no matter what. He turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but also of him. And so when a person gets sick, we ought to pray for their immediate healing. Jesus healed people who were sick. But he didn't heal everybody. He couldn't. And even those he he did heal, even those he did heal, like, like Lazarus, who he literally raised from the dead, Lazarus died again. And so... What God is more concerned about is not just a temporal healing in a moment. As good as that is, as big of a blessing that is, and that is such a wonderful blessing when we experience that. He wants something even more lasting, eternal healing. And that's what James is most concerned about. And that's he's most concerned about for us and the people we love. All the ailments we might be experiencing send us a message of our mortality. We are all sick at some level. We're all aging. We're all dying. And it's my prayer that God would use these realities to heal and save us in the lives of others. I pray that with every ailment, with every, every sickness, every disease that you experience, that would turn you back to God, your Savior, who lived for you, who died for you, who rose for you, who's coming back again to make all things new, even you. And so that's why James sums up this whole idea in verse 16. He says, therefore, 
Not therefore, like all your physical ailments are always going to be immediately healed. He says, therefore, now confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And I think what he's talking about is eternal healing. He goes on to say, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Your prayers change somebody's eternal destiny. Your prayers do so much more than you think they do. You want to heal somebody physically? That's wonderful. And again, sometimes God does that. But God, what God is most concerned about is an eternal resurrected life in the renewed world. And so I think that helps us answer opening question. Why pray? Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It can change somebody's eternal destiny. But then you look at that verse and you think, okay, my prayers are doing something. Sometimes they heal somebody physically right now. And often our prayers are of a righteous person is going to change someone's eternal destiny, but I don't feel like I'm a righteous person. I don't feel like God would listen to my prayers. Who am I for God to actually listen to my prayers and do something for me? Well, James goes on to say this. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being just as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruits. Now, James' Jewish audience would have been steeped in the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and to them, Elijah was one of the most powerful, important prophets. He fought against the the prophets of Baal and did miracles and raised the dead, did all these incredible things. But what James reminds them, he says, Elijah was a person just like we are. Elijah was human just like we are. And when you read the stories of Elijah, you see that Elijah suffered with anxiety and depression. Uh, Elijah suffered with doubt, self-doubt and weakness. And Elijah needed a savior just as much as you and I do. Elijah was righteous because of his faith in the coming savior. And that's how we get righteous as well. And so if God were to listen to Elijah, uh, Elijah's prayers, he can listen to us as well. And so James wants us to pray, especially for the lost. He wants us to use those times when people are sick and suffering to pray that God would heal them and bring them back into a relationship with God. That's the most important thing. And that's why James ends his whole letter with these words. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the air of his ways will save his soul from death and cover over a multitude of sins. We pray for somebody who's maybe sick and maybe has turned away from God. We we pray that that God would use all these different things going in their life to, to bring them back to a trust in the Lord 
and save their soul, save them eternally, which is the most important. Now, it seems like James not only preached this message, but he lived it. We have some very early um, historical documents that, that describe the life of James. Eusebius was a was a Christian um, historian. He lived about 300 AD. And he references another Christian historian, Hegesippus. Hegesippus lived about uh, 110 AD, like a generation removed from James, but very close to James. And Hegesippus, he writes about James, um, James, this, this writer of this letter, and he says, he used to enter the temple alone and was often found kneeling and imploring forgiveness for the people, so that his knees became hard like camels from his continual kneeling in worship of God and in prayer for his people. And so according to very early ancient tradition, that James, his knees wore these huge calluses because he spent so much time going to the temple alone, praying for his own people. And it says that he prayed for their forgiveness. He prayed for their spiritual healing. And it seems like those prayers were powerful and effective because there were so many people who were turning, so many of his fellow Jewish people who were turning to the Lord that the religious leaders and the governing authorities felt um, threatened by James and his prayer life. And they had James martyred for it because he was having such a large impact on their community, turning so many people to Jesus through his prayer life. And so if James, kneeling in prayer, calling out to God day after day for the spiritual and eternal healing of his own people, if that had an effect, what could God do with our prayers? So here's the take-home point. Give prayer the priority it deserves. James said, anoint someone with oil. He, he was known for, for praying on his knees. Maybe we need to, to find a place and a time and even a, a spiritual practice Maybe light a candle. Maybe get down on our knees in a, in a side room in our house. Maybe put together a prayer closet. Whatever you have to do to make this time special. To make prayer a priority. Now, some of these practices, whether you, you do extra things to make your prayer time special, they're not going to make your prayers more powerful, but they'll remind you of the priority and the power of prayer. And it's eternal value on the lives of yourself and the people around you. Now, prayers can continue to be challenging for us all. It's a mystery. It's a mystery why sometimes God works miracles in some people's lives, and that's all we can say. This is a miracle. This person was healed, and then sometimes he doesn't. It's a mystery. And in that mystery, we might uh, get disenfranchised with prayer. We might um, grow weak in our prayers. And I want, but I want to encourage you, pray. Maybe one of the issues is 
we only seem to pray for what is immediate, waiting to see that immediate results. Maybe what we need to do is pray for something much bigger, much more eternal, along with our prayers. And so here, hear the words of James one more time. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed now and for eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I I pray and we pray that you would heal us all. Heal anyone who's going through a time of sickness right now, a time of physical ailment, that you would heal us all immediately. But more importantly, Lord God, we pray that you would heal us all eternally, that you would use these temporary ailments to point us to you, the one who will heal all our diseases eternally at the day of the resurrection. Keep our eyes fixed on that great and glorious day. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.